Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. If you'd like to learn more about us and our many upcoming author events, please visit skylightbooks.com, where you can browse our inventory, buy books, and join our Friends with Benefits Club. You can also follow us on Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook. To speak to a real live bookseller like me, please call 323-660-1175. Thanks for your support, and enjoy. But tonight, we are here to celebrate Clara Parks and her new book, A Stash of One's Own, Knitters on Loving, Living With, and Letting Go of Yarn. Once described by the Oregonian as quite possibly the only writer you will ever read who can make a discussion of micron counts absolutely riveting, Clara Parks is a celebrated raconteur and highly sought-after teacher, as well as the author of the New York Times bestseller, Knitlandia and the Yarn Whisperer, as well as the Knitter's Book of Yarn, the Knitter's Book of Wool, and the Knitter's Book of Socks. She's the founder and publisher of Knitter's Review, an online publication that explores the pleasures and subtleties of yarn, and a contributor to Mason Dixon Knitting. She's visiting us all the way from Maine, and this is the very last stop on her tour, so let's give her an extra warm welcome, Clara Parks. Hello! Are all my knitters in the house? woo woo, woo. Does anybody need a seat? Yeah, are you? <laughs> all right, hookers! All right! It's all yarn, you know what I'm saying? Anybody else need a seat up here? We had people who. Uh, Michelle? Did she, did she already. Oh, she just left. She said, forget it. I'm out of here. She doesn't want to be here. Okay, yay! Well, welcome. Thank you so much for braving this traffic thing that you have in Los Angeles on a Friday night. How, well, anyway, yay. So, okay, first question to get the ball rolling. Um, how many, okay, now that we know that we can break out the fiber crafts, how many uh, knitters do we have in this, in this crowd? Okay, how many hookers do we have? <laughs> any weavers? Mm, any, any sewists, as they call it, yeah? Okay. How about any uh, paste paper makers who also are experts at binding books? Oh my god, woohoo! <laughs> Yay! All right. Okay, so among those who do things with yarn, um, this is the next really complicated question. Um, how many of you have currently more yarn in your possession than is required for the project that you are currently working on? <laughs> Oh my God! Now. Hey, oh, in the, oh, she's like here now. Yeah, I got it right here. No, in the wow. Okay. Okay. Well. Hmm. Okay. So, not that that was even a surprise. I actually, in all the ten places that I've been, only one person raised her hand and said no, and she was raised by hoarders. So it all made sense. Okay. So next question: When you travel. How many of you feel that it is entirely appropriate and okay to seek out a yarn store and buy souvenirs? Yes. <laughs> All right. Um, of those souvenirs and of the yarn in your stash, how much of that do you ever have any expectation of knitting? Okay, not that that's not a good question. Do you have an expectation of knitting every single skein that you have? It would be impossible. <laughs> Do you have skeins? Oh yeah, you're like, well, I could take up weaving. That eases up a lot of yarn. Okay, do you have any skeins that you don't want to knit? 
Yeah. Yeah. They're like um, collectibles. Collectibles. Exactly. So what I'm getting at here is that yarn is something that we all live with, correct? I mean, once you fall in love with knitting or crocheting or weaving or spinning, yarn and fiber becomes a part of your life, a part of your domestic life. But it also becomes a part of your, your rituals whenever you go places, how you mark moments in time. Yarn is not just a collection of ingredients that you put in your pantry waiting to be used. Like if that were the case, whenever you went into a yarn store, you'd just be like, I need blue worsted weight for a sweater. Got it. Here you go. No, right? What happens when we go into a yarn store? <laughs> you don't go in there, yeah, like, I have a project. No. You see all those colors, right? And you smell those fumes. And you have, I lovingly call it kind of um, yarnalepsy is what happens, right? Your rational brain kicks off and suddenly you are pure emotion. Yarn guess. <laughs> what you do in the comfort of your own stash is your business. I don't want to know. Right. Your, your rational brain has totally kicked off and you are in pure emotion. You hold the yarn. You seek the yarn that when you hold it in your hands, let's be real, when you rub it against your face, when you sniff it, you just feel a certain way and you want to always be able to access that feeling. So you take that yarn and you know, I, I must, must have... And then the rational brain finally kicks in and is like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We have to, we have to, I can come up with a reason for this. All right, what can we make out of this? <laughs> and you get bonus points if you're like, I will make sweaters for homeless cat orphans, right? Because that's noble and generous and selfless of you. It's not at all about covering the materials. It's, you have a purpose, right? So we match it with a project and we put it in a bag. How many of you does your stash include about 700 project bags? <laughs> Do you find that there are like archaeological layers to your stash? <laughs> right? You've got the bins, that's like your foundation layer, and then you've got some shelves of stuff and then you have like the final pre-launch, it's all in bags ready to go, right? And then you have the post-launch, it's still in bags, still, still sitting there. So. Um, so here's where things go awry, or they can go awry. And this is where, in this collection of stories, I noticed this is where things can fracture and where your options get a little bit more complicated. So um, first of all, you're acquiring yarn. I gotta read this. Franklin described it beautifully. As my passion for knitting grew, I stashed yarns the way a nouveau riche billionaire collects art. Rapidly and with more enthusiasm than taste. Right? <laughs> have we all been there at some point? You just like, need, need all the, all the must-have. Must um, but what happens is we, we kind of have this, we forget. We actually think we ever intended to knit whatever that project was that we came up with, right? As the excuse. And suddenly that yarn becomes tied to it. And so you go into your stash and you look at the wall and you see, oh, I didn't do that yet. God, I haven't done those socks yet. I was going to do that shawl. I was going to do that cowl. Oh, that And it's suddenly, it's like you're looking at a list of unfulfilled hopes and dreams, right? And that's where your stash can get kind of heavy. Have any of you reached that place? Yeah. 
So I had one person last night, no! <laughs> we were all like, oh. There's a point where it stops working for you. Now, Ms. Stephanie, our harlot of yarnness, she described it really well. She said, um, there is a mystical moment when I have more yarn than psychic energy and it doesn't feel good anymore. It feels like a burden and it feels like something, it feels like the stash isn't something I have chosen. When that happens, it's time for a cull. I go into the stash, look at the yarn that's come into my life, and ask myself if it still has a right to be here. If it can't be defended in my court, where the judge is kind and generous but firm, then it's time for the yarn in question to make its way into someone else's stash. So of those of you, how many of you have actually let go of yarn not in project form? Yeah. How did you feel afterwards? Better, right? Very rarely do you ever miss what you let go of. Because one of the interesting things about stash, um, I mean, yarn is technically energy. It is fibers to which twist has been applied. But it holds energy, right? It holds the memories of where you were when you got that yarn. What was up in your life that you needed to knit that project? Who you were with? Um, who made the yarn? Who did you talk to? But also, who did you think you were when you bought that yarn? So, case in point, here's an example. About um, 14 years ago, I had the um, brazen notion that I was the kind of person who would knit a black, fingering weight, boucle Adrian Vittadini sweater. Which is not something that's, no. Boucle is just like bullseye yarn and snags every, anyway. But it took me 14 years to come to terms with the fact that I'm not that person. And I let it go. Um, in fact, I have a craftsy class because I'm so obsessed with trying to work on my relationship with stuff, all about letting go, like stash busting. And so I used that as an example in the class because I thought this needs to be ceremonious. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so we're living with our yarn and then we have to let it go. So when I was putting together the pieces in this collection, the, each one is there for a very specific reason. I didn't just put out a call like, Dear thoughts about stash, and people just, I love it, I love it, yay, we have a book. I, I looked through like uh, my, my mental picture of like, who do I know in our industry who has a unique perspective and a unique story that touches on different elements of this, this thing that we have going on in our lives. So we started like a lot about Stash, I don't know about you, but it's kind of legacy. It's about inheriting, but it's, it's like the passing of the skill from generation to generation, and the materials are also that way. So I thought, well, the crown jewel of legacies would have to be Elizabeth Zimmerman's stash, right? So I wrote to Meg and said, would you be willing to write about Elizabeth's stash? And she actually did. So that's where the book began. Um, but I wanted to have multiple perspectives so that it wasn't just, like we have maximalists, people who love having an abundance of yarn around, but we also have people who don't like an abundance of yarn. Amy Herzog, the designer, she'll tell you she does not have a stash. 
I'll just pause to let that one sink in. Or um, Susan B. Anderson. So I thought she would have an interesting stash story because, like, if you watch her videos, she's always like, good morning, knitters, I cast on a sock. And then 12 minutes later, I'm on the second sock. And then an hour and a half later, I started the sweater. The next morning, sweater's done. But she actually has a very, very small stash, and she writes about how she got to that, but, like, the very specific ways in which she approaches her yarn. Um, so we went there, but I also wanted to go, okay, how many of you um, live with somebody who saw an episode of Hoarders? <laughs> you know where this is going. And then looked at you and gave that look, like, like when am I going to have to call the authorities? So I wanted to bring in somebody who is both yarn positive, shall we say, but is also a trained licensed clinical social worker who could talk about when do you, when should you seek help and when you can say, hey, buzz off, none of your business. So um, she talks about that. We kind of approach it from a delicate way. Because I don't know if you've noticed, but there's something about our yarn stash that's different from, say, our book stash. How many of you also collect books? Yeah. Does anybody expect you to have read every single book in your collection? No. It sits there to make you want to read at some point. Or like in case you get locked in your house by accident for a week, <laughs> you have books to read. If someone said you don't get that book, there's a different feeling than um, ugh, you already have green yarn, right? It's like sense this collective blood pressure <laughs> rising. So what is it about yarn that is different than those other things? And it, it, it brought me to the reason I titled this book the way that I did, A Stash of One's Own. Because I've noticed over the years, my many, many years, that... Um, there is a very interesting gender component to yarn. And hear me out. I have, of all the men who I've met who are knitters, wonderful people, and many of them are like dear friends, whenever they talk about their stash, there's no ounce of shame or embarrassment whatsoever. It's like, yes, I do have a stash room, actually two stash rooms. They're upstairs, I built a whole new edition, and over here is all of my, um, you know, first edition Elizabeth Zimmerman books, and then over here is the Alice Starmore. I have all 92 colors, five skeins. It took me nine years on eBay to collect all of them, right? There's not an ounce of, oh, you wanna see the spinning wheel collection? Oh, that's in the edition, out in the back of that, that, that one took seven years to make, and then, there's no, there, there's no nothing, just joy and pride. And during this same period of time, in my life with people who are interacting with yarn, going through the mating rituals, like there's always going to be when you're looking for yarn, like the, you, you know if you really don't have the money and you really shouldn't be doing it. And that's one thing. But I've watched women in line at sheep and wool festivals or at yarn stores with arms full of yarn that they are just clearly in love with. And there's this moment where they kind of wilt. And something in them says, oh, no, I shouldn't do this. I don't, no, I don't, I don't need this. And it's not about need. There seems to be a component of deserve to it. So, little known fact, I used to have a gift shop for three years. Uh, that was only open three months a year because that's a really strong business proposition. But um, whenever 
it was interesting. Customers would come in, and it was mostly women, and the, when they would hand me something, I would always say, do you want me to gift draft this? And the ones who would say, no, it's just for me, right? How many times have you... I would wait. I would, like, 15 minutes. I'd just be, like, wrapping and wrapping and wrapping and putting bows and bows, and you want a ribbon on there? Because we never, like, gift wrap this stuff for ourselves, metaphorically speaking. And that kind of extends to yarn, in a way. Or the more frightening thing that I hear, and this is, we're like a, a pretty enlightened crowd here, but I, I wanted to talk about this so that when you're out in the world and you encounter it, you can help us s just sweep that ghost away once and for all so that generations after us are not haunted by it. And that is... Um, and it's primarily women. I've never heard a male knitter say, my wife or husband will kill me if I bring home more yarn, right? But I do hear that sometimes with women. Or, um, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep it in the car until he goes to work, and then I'll bring it inside, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and that's what I really wanted to explore in this. The, the, the why, why of that? Where, why, where does that disparity come from? So I thought about it, and I thought, okay, even though I went to a women's college, I'm not, like, skilled at writing about this. So who do we have in our little arsenal who's a really good writer, maybe a New York Times bestseller, um, who's written knitting books, and who also happens to have a PhD in, uh, I believe it's women's studies from Yale, and be the editor of Bust Magazine. So I pulled down my scroll of all the people who fit that bill, and, like, uh, Debbie Stoller. And so I sent her an email and said, Debbie, this is what's going on with the book, and this is what I'm thinking. Is this something you can speak to? And that's the piece I would like to read to you. All right? So, and this is at the very end, so that we bookend the book with two really powerful broads. It's called A Stash of One's Own, Yarn as a Feminist Issue. When I first got into knitting in the late 90s, I quickly realized that there was an entire alphabet soup of abbreviations and acronyms I would need to learn, such as SSK and K2TOG, in order to become proficient in this craft. Hmm? Sorry, that's my ride. It's early. <laughs> but as I began to spend time on knitting blogs and message boards, I saw there were quite a few more I'd need to familiarize myself with as well, such as WIP, UFO, KIP, and LYS. There was one, however, that baffled me for quite a while before I figured it out. DH. Eventually, I came to understand that DH meant Dear Husband, and I noticed that the acronym appeared in two main conversation topics. The first, of course, was when folks would talk about the things that they were making for DH, including socks, hats, and huge sweaters. But almost as often, DH would come up in conversations about people's yarn stashes. Many knitters, it seemed, were concerned about hiding theirs from their DH. I have never had a DH, although I have had an LTB, long-term boyfriend, for the past two decades. My LTB, however, is not an LIB, live-in boyfriend. Also, I am not FD, financially dependent, on my DLTB. <laughs> As a result, we have never had a conversation about my yarn stash, and I've never given any thought to hiding it from him. 
So perhaps I'm the last person on earth who should be weighing in on what all this hiding the yarn stash from D.H. kerfuffle is all about. Yet as both a feminist and an I Love Lucy fan, I feel I must. Because the first image that comes to mind whenever I read about a knitter admitting that she has just purchased new skeins of yarn that she must hide before D.H. finds out is that fabulous redhead. I'm thinking of those episodes of the classic TV show where Lucy would have bought something, usually a new hat, and would have to find a way to hide it from Ricky. He had either told her at the beginning of the episode that she already had too many hats, or that she had to stick to her monthly household budget, or she'd have loads of splainin' to do. But Lucy, she just couldn't help herself. She'd see the perfect hat, and she'd buy it, and then she'd have to find a place to hide it from Ricky before he got home. Hilarity would ensue, and sometimes, at the end, Lucy would be taken over Ricky's knee and spanked, because that was a totally fine thing to do in the 50s. At least on I Love Lucy, it was. Watching Lucy in reruns as a child in the 70s was one of many things that primed me to become a feminist when I grew up. Even at age 10, it was obvious to me that women had the deck stacked against them. For one thing, there were few opportunities for work outside the home, aside from, say, a job at a chocolate factory. (laughs) For another, even when they worked hard to keep up their side of the bargain, keeping the home clean, doing the laundry, and the cooking, and the child rearing, they still weren't entitled to an equal say in the family's finances. So as much as I loved Lucy, I knew I didn't want a life like hers. I wanted a future where women and men were equal partners, where even if one of them was the primary wage earner, the money would belong to both of them equally. I didn't want to grow up in a world where a husband was more like a parent than a partner, doling out an allowance and punishing you when you were naughty. But once I was an adult and living in that future, what was I to make of women on these knitting message boards who still seemed to be trapped in some modern-day Lucy Ricky hat scenario. Giving it some thought, I came to the conclusion that there were really only three reasons that someone would need to hide their yarn collection from their life partner. The first would be that they are planning to make something with that yarn for said partner, and they want it to be a surprise. But in that case, there would only be a small amount of yarn that would need to be hidden. Certainly one's entire stash wouldn't be devoted to creating things only for the man of the house. Another reason to hide one's stash, I suppose, is because one's DH is usually also a roommate or a housemate, and the space has to be shared fairly. And if someone's yarn stash is getting so out of control that they are taking over more than their fair share of storage space, then yes, they may not want to disclose to their DH that they just bought an additional garbage bag full of closeout yarn. (laughs) But if this is the case, then they'd want to keep it from their DD daughter and DS son as well, or anyone else sharing a roof with them and their abundance of yarn. And if one's yarn stash is beginning to overtake their living space, then they just might be a hoarder. They certainly shouldn't hide this fact from their DH, although he probably already knows. (laughs) Instead, they need to get help 
lest they end up sleeping on a bed covered so high in yarn balls that they need to use a ladder just to get into it. On the other hand, perhaps they don't want their DH to see the yarn they've got stored away because then he would know how much money they've spent and continue to spend on this hobby of theirs. Again, I don't know how different couples decide to work out their finances, but here there should certainly be no secrets. And if they think he'd be upset because really the two of them are strapped for cash and the roof needs fixing and they can barely buy enough baby and cat food to keep all their dependents in delicious mush, then they've got no business buying yarn at all, especially if they already have a yarn stash. I mean, what kind of a person would want to share this type of fiscally irresponsible behavior in an online message board such as one on Ravelry titled Flash Your Stash with a picture of their living room furniture entirely covered in yarn balls and a note saying that the photo could only be taken when DH was out of the house. <laughs> These folks also might need to get help. Unless they plan on fixing that holy roof with yarn balls, it, it would felt, I guess, but I wouldn't recommend it. No. While each of these are reasons women often give for why they are secretive about their stash, I think there is another reason that they frequently feel compelled to hide their yarn from their DH, and it actually has very little to do with their DH at all. I think many women are uncomfortable about having a large collection of balls and skeins and hanks because it runs counter to what is expected of them as women. That's because a yarn stash makes a pretty large statement to the world that a woman is planning to spend hours, nay, years of her life, engaging in something that doesn't promise to make her skinnier or look younger or give her a tighter butt. <laughs> something that won't make her a better mother or a better wife, that she is dedicated to finding time now and for the foreseeable future to do something that, unlike cooking, doesn't really benefit anyone but herself. Okay, yes, we make things for other people, but come on, we knit because we enjoy it. It announces to the world that she has decided to do something just for herself in the pursuit of only one thing, pleasure. A yarn stash takes up a lot of room, too. Yarn balls are quite a bit larger than spools of thread or embroidery floss or even books. Developing a yarn stash requires a commitment of space that many other hobby supplies don't command. And in almost all circumstances, women are expected to take up as little space as possible. And in much the same way that Virginia Woolf once argued that if women were to become successful writers, they needed money and a room of one's own, accumulating a yarn stash means that one has succeeded not just in literally securing a room of your own, the space a stash requires, but also that a woman has figuratively made room in her life for this hobby, this craft, this form of meditation from which she gets so much enjoyment. All of this runs counter to what society expects from women. We are certainly not encouraged to indulge in anything for the mere sake of pleasure, except for a small piece of chocolate once a week, or maybe a bubble bath. 
I mean, how many times have you seen a women's magazine or website propose a weekend of indulgence that includes baths, face masks, and possibly a pedicure? These seem to be some of the few acceptable ways that we women are allowed to treat ourselves. But when I think of an indulgent weekend, I think of having pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think of staying out all night drinking whiskey and flirting with younger men. I think of spending an entire day in my pajamas knitting and watching documentaries on Netflix. I certainly don't think of a bath. In fact, taking, Claire, taking care that one is clean and pore-free and has her talons in tip-top form, it isn't an indulgence for women. It's an imperative. There's no indulgence in doing what one's already expected to do. Now, I know that no women's magazine is ever going to encourage women to indulge themselves by buying more yarn, but they've got it all wrong. Because every time a person buys yarn for a future project they are going to make someday, they are reaffirming their commitment to spend many delicious hours doing something they love. A woman's growing stash is a monument to her never-ending, happily-ever-after love affair with yarn, to the ongoing respect for her craft, and to the value of doing something just for herself. And none of these are things women should be ashamed of, or feel guilty about, or laugh off with an embarrassed shrug. And they certainly aren't anything one should be hiding from the human with whom they have decided to share a life. Because the way I see it, it's sexism, pure and simple, that makes a woman feel ashamed of her yarn stash, while her husband, who has enough parts in the garage to make five motorcycles, <laughs> doesn't display the slightest bit of embarrassment about it. It's sexism that makes a woman believe that an investment in hundreds of dollars of skin creams promising to restore her youth is an acceptable expenditure when the same amount spent on yarn is considered to have been squandered because our culture expects women to be forever young. It's sexism that makes hobbies engaged in mostly by women, such as knitters, knitting, considered frivolous wastes of time while those engaged in mostly by men, such as fishing or golf, are never judged as harshly. So I say to women, flaunt your stash, own it. Find a way to share your space and your finances with your DH that seems fair and equal because no modern partnership should be based on anything less. Then fill that closet or those shelves or that craft room or that suitcase with as much yarn as you can fit and afford. Stake your place in the world inside a circle of yarn balls. Stand up for your right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of a yarn stash. It's your duty as a knitter and as a woman. Can I get an amen, right? Amen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, to help us in this endeavor, um, I had my publisher, oh right, I have it in my pocket. I had my publisher, um, I wanted you to have something that you could always have with you as a reminder, and you can also share it with somebody else when you see them going through that kind of conundrum. And it is a license to stash. <laughs> 
So, um, the holder of this card, it states on the back, when you sign, this is what you're getting, is fully authorized to acquire, tend, and dispose of whatever stash is necessary to fuel her or his creativity, mark important moments in time, and maintain an overall sense of well-being. Now, this is issued by me. I am the Secretary of State of Knitlandia. <laughs> So it is valid in all 50 states. Um, I have somebody going to Europe in a couple days, so she's going to test it there in case, like, metrics or something. Um, but the next time you're pulled over, <laughs> metaphorically speaking, and you know that you are in your right mind and doing what is okay, you can just whip this out and say, hey, it's okay, don't worry, I got a license. And it doesn't expire either. So... Um, so yeah, those are some musings on stash. At this point, I kind of like to throw it out to you so that we can talk about what's going on here. Do you have any questions? Comments or complaints? Criticisms? Long, random tangents on totally unrelated topics? <laughs> yes? Being a yard store owner, I hear huh? all the time, oh, I, I don't need any, I don't need this. Mm -hmm. and my answer is, my store is not about me, it's mm -hmm. all about because all of us want this, but none of us really need it. I mean, need, yeah. It's like we need oxygen. Sure. We need a roof over our heads. We need sustenance. Yeah. 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 It's all about want. Yeah. And whatever you feel is like wherever we all have our own kind of gauge for where we feel okay and where we start to feel kind of out of control, right? And we all. Awesome. Oh, thank you. We all know precisely where it is. So. It's respecting that. I'm not just saying, go out and be a hoarder, ladies. I like, <laughs> listen to yourself, but you've got free reign. Yes, you had a question. I'll, well, I'll add, I had a semi-recent situation slash meltdown with moths. Oh. Oh. <laughs> we all stepped two feet back. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm knitting a prayer shawl for your moths. Yeah, yeah. Pull out everything from every shelf, every yeah. cupboard, every bag, every, my entire office, which is actually my yard room, uh, and I had to clean everything, and mm. I didn't lose too much, thankfully, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I probably had to just actually toss the things, but I had to cycle everything through the oven, Ooh. it took me so long, wow. and after that, I, I just, I pulled it down to what I yeah. actually Love, yeah. And I feel it's still a sizable stash, but it I feel so much better about it because yeah. it, it took having little bugs eat my things to yeah. realize I was just too excited about buying things and then it got to where it didn't feel good anymore. Yeah. I also yeah. recycle sweaters so oh, I can cool. park and knit them into yep. Yep. So I have a sweater stash as well. And that's part of the challenge with, with yarn is because um, when you reach that point where you're like, oof, this is a lot, it, one of the options is just to like jam it down, right? Because it squishes. <laughs> So you're like, I'm going to put it in this closet. And then you just keep jamming it in that closet and jamming it. And and it takes something like the M word for you to have to pull it all out. And then it kind of expands like a, you know, rapidly growing chia pet. And you're like, holy, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's frightening, but I find that the, like, the more you're willing to, it's just you and yourself on this, pull it out and face it. 
suddenly it's not this scary closet. It can become something that you go to for comfort and inspiration. I mean, Stephanie talks about a lot of skeins in her stash that are just um, support staff to make her want to knit. <laughs> she just has them. Yeah, you had... Um, I have... I, I'm part of a very large and active knitting group mm -hmm. each every week and then also a, a local knitting guild. Uh -huh. And so we're all kind of dealing with all of the same stuff. And... Yeah. Um, my group, my, my weekly group, has a get-together every year. We, it's a yarn swap. We do a potluck. Oh, yeah. People yeah. are encouraged to bring, you know, anything that they would like to de-stash. Yeah, yeah. It works really great. We always have a wonderful time. But mm -hmm. it, it's gotten me to thinking. Yeah. I don't know what's wor what makes me feel worse is whether it's when I give in to the urge to buy more yarn that I don't. N-word. Yeah. Uh, or when I think about de-stashing, yeah. and I go through my stuff, and of course, yeah. you know, we, we all go through this thing every now and then where we're going to cull through our stashes and get rid of what we mm -hmm. really don't want. Mm -hmm. I don't know what makes me feel worse is acquiring new yarn or thinking about giving, getting rid of stuff that I bought mm. and now don't want anymore. There's a lot of... That There's sounds a like lot of guilt on either yeah side. yeah. I think that thinking about getting rid of it would be worse. Mm -hmm. it. Oh wow! We need to have stash therapists. Actually, <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Think to yourself: I never should have bought this. Is oh. it a bad purchase, or is it because I still love it and I don't want to get rid of it? Right. right. And sometimes it's both. Yeah. And, and so, you know, yeah. it can be either of those, but the feeling is still the same. Is there's that. That it's hard because it brings into like you're it's it's tied to just all the complicated feelings that you can have about doing something for yourself or spending money on yourself um which is a whole other ball of wax but yes it's yeah. sort of in addition to not being able to find stuff when i want to find it because it's like underneath <laughs> and i have to say okay i bought this when two years ago but to me it, it Sometimes it's a reminder of things I meant to do that I didn't get to, that I yeah. did something else. I yeah. spent time on Facebook or, yeah. or <laughs> watched TV or something without yeah. knitting, or, yeah. and, and I didn't get to making that shawl or sweater or scarf or mm -hmm. blanket. Uh -huh. And it's so amazing because, like, if you, I, I have cookbook collection, and you, we don't look at our cookbook collection like, oh, I haven't cooked everything in that book yet, you know. But it's, it's so, yeah, it can weigh you down. So that's where stash swaps are great. I, they're like um, giant karmic washing machines. I used to lead one at a big retreat that I ran, and it started as a table, and then it was three tables, and then it was a whole room that we rented just for the stash, and then we had really obsessive people who like took it in beforehand and then sorted it by gauge and fiber content, and, and it was amazing to watch people go in and come out with something that was like weighing you down for years, and they're totally overjoyed, and they have some idea of what to do with it, and you're like, yay! <laughs> Off you go! And you can take the good stuff that you know because you know it's going to a good home it's so like your legacy though your stash. your stash is oh my god you just read my mind okay so your stash is your legacy um so how many of you have uh like negotiated with your significant other who to contact in case your demise occurs <laughs> an executor yeah yeah because it's she does not promise that i can be <laughs> 
Yeah. Because stash is a big, it's, I call it my investment in wool futures. I am fully vested in my, it's a broad portfolio, you know, so you need to think about that. Somebody, uh, I believe it was in Chicago, said that her plan, she has instructed her husband, um, I was going to say if, when, no, if, she's never going to die. If, she, when she passes, she wants him to have a big party and invite all of her knitting friends and just have them have a huge knit in and just take whatever they want and do with it whatever they would like and hand it off. And I just think that's a very sweet concept. And that's kind of what Meg talks about. When she was a little kid, Elizabeth pulled her aside, all the kids, and said, all right, I want you to write down what you want. Like, that's kind of heavy. Come on. Um, and then when Elizabeth passed away, Meg actually took some of her stash and divided it up, little objects, into bags and let people from the oft-timers knitting camp, the, the, who've been there for years, take a little bag and take it home with them. So yeah, it's not, again, it's not just about, what am I going to do with this thing of oregano? It's like passing on the memory and the significance of this person. Then again, they do have wool coffins in England. I'm just saying. <laughs> not to go there. That would be good mulch, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, gruesome for a Friday night. Are they felted? Yeah, they, yeah, they are. Yeah, it's a very thick plush felt, very comfortable. Uh, not that I, I don't know if they're comfortable. <laughs> Wait, would they even need to be? I don't know. We're not, okay. Anyway, la-di-da. Let's change it back to puppies now. What else? Yes. I just have a comment. Um, I'm interested to read Susan B. Anderson's one on stash because... I actually acquired some of her stash. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I started to knitting. Yeah. This was the only knitting blog that I read. Yeah. I didn't even know about anybody else. And yeah. She, at one, I think it was maybe four or five years ago, she uh, wrote on her blog that she was going to be selling some of her stash on eBay. Ooh. And so I got some of it. Uh-huh. And it's still in my stash. <laughs> 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 she also did, uh, she put some magic cakes together with her own mm -hmm. yarn. Yeah, you'll see where you entered her story. That's kind of cool. Yeah, totally. It is. It is. Oh, yeah. Yes. Um, I confess that I watched both of your crafts and today. Oh, God. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> and I was uh, taken by the UFOs, you know, your, your project. And I brought my daughter here. Is she your UFO? <laughs> I started knitting and re reknitting because I learned as a kid, and then um, circumstances brought me back with surgery, you know, on the yeah. couch. Yeah. And um, <laughs> the daughter was an ice skater, so okay. I was going to make her nice figure figure skating sweater uh -huh. when she was a freshman. <laughs> How's that going? <laughs> yeah. Oh. I think, yeah. yeah. I did socks, I did, mm -hmm. I did all, yeah, but 
some projects need to kind of age. It's like a wine. You know, it needs time. Oh, do you still skate? <laughs> it's going to be the best souvenir of your skating career ever. Yeah, it has to make it a different size. Yeah. What else? Anybody else? Sometimes when I go through my stash, and I do try and go through it so I remember what I have in there, yeah. you know, occasionally, mm -hmm. and um, I'm a member of the group that does the big swap, so yeah. I have a reason to do that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I find myself looking at Scandinavian and going, what possessed me to oh, yeah. this? Okay, how many of you have had that moment? <laughs> All right. Yep. And, and the way I, I, I look at that is, is like going into a store to mm -hmm. buy a uh, really, you saw it on the mannequin, really cute sweater or really mm -hmm. cute dress, and you buy it and you get it home and you wear mm -hmm. it once, and then you think, yeah. oh, and it goes to the back of the closet. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's the same thing. It's totally the same thing, yeah. It's totally okay to mm -hmm. take that and make it go away. Yeah. Just like you do with the clothing. Yeah. You know? And why are. You feel guilty about it. We're not expected. Yeah, yeah, we're not expected. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that kind of, yeah. And I was just going to say, and our tastes change over time. Yeah. yeah. So then something that was really like the furry yarn, you know, not so much of that. Yeah. That was fun for a while, but you never bought, and now it's all furry yarn. You're certainly not expected to have your closet full of clothes from 1993, right? I think you shouldn't feel anything at all about getting rid of. Yeah. What no longer works for your collection as a curator. That's an overly used word, but it's true, though. You curate a collection. And in fact, you know, it is a really interesting concept that we've co-opted a word to describe our yarn collection that has all these kind of sinister, not sinister, but like covert undertones. of like, I stashed the booty under the truck instead of... I don't know, collection, I don't know if that's, if you guys can think of any other term at some point. Deposit? A no. deposit oh, yeah, yeah, something that, right, collection is sort of static, but you know what I mean? It's not, the stash is sort of like, I have my stash of Cheetos. That's different than <laughs> my stash of cashmere. Come on. We have a lot yeah. of customers yeah, that flips it. Yeah. Well, I think too. I think your skills change. Like you, when you first mm -hmm. start, you tend to buy, you know, yeah, very young, yeah. and then as you get yeah. to change yeah. and refund, then you yeah. get more daring. And yeah. You know, yeah. It also made me realize after listening to St uh, Stacy Perry, she does very pink knit mm -hmm. the tutorials. Yeah. She realized about herself that she buys yarn based on the project. Buys yarn ahead of time. And that is so neat. Except when I'm in the yarn store, I'm like, I have to have this. But I am not good at pairing it to projects later. Oh. I get anxiety about, do I buy too much? Like, am I going to go yesterday? Yeah, yeah. And I am a person who finds a project she loves and and that really helped me um, make more informed and intentional purchases. So that way, yeah. 
I know I'm going to make a sweater, I'm going to save up and do a wool float sweater or do a yeah. local sweater. Or make it really worth it. Make it really worth yeah. it. Yeah. I'm, th I'm seeing that a lot more that there's we're pulling back on the you know 62 skeins of pound of plastic and going for like four of something that's really really well done and thoughtfully created and all that kind of stuff yes ma'am <laughs> oh No stress there. It's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh. It wasn't her language, kind of, yeah, right? It's not her yeah. See where this is going. Yeah. the dress anyway where did where did you wear the dress um oh my did you go do you wore it to the emmys um did, did did anybody see that dress did any opportunity did you like maybe 
She won an Emmy, you guys. <laughs> yeah. She's so quietly sitting in the back. I think we need to knit the Emmy address, a whole wardrobe. <laughs> yep, yep. Okay. All right. That's a problem. That's prerequisite for if you have an Emmy, you have to like buy a house that has a mantle to put it on. Yeah. Yep. Mm hmm. And I uh, he he commented on my stash one day, and I was like, "Babe, you collect shoes. One pair of shoes is equal to a sweater's quantity of yarn. Mm -hmm. You get to wear your shoes maybe yeah, every really. one day a month. Mm -hmm. But I knit the sweater, so that's hours of entertainment on mm -hmm. top of having a product out mm -hmm. of it. And now I have a product that I wear mm -hmm. in addition to the amount of time that I took to make this item. Yeah. So the time value." Yep. Um, the quotient. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you shouldn't have to justify your, you yeah. know, your choices in life generally. But we all have those conversations. Give this, like, scope of yeah. what it means to you versus someone else. You just can't comprehend that yeah. it's just yarn. Meanwhile, do we step on our yarn, drag it through the mud? No! Yes. Two video games nowadays is equivalent to a sweater. Oh, it drives me nuts. So, like, hours of time yeah. playing video games. Yeah. Awesome producing an item. So, yeah. I Doubly productive, yeah. It's yes. Don't even get me started on golf. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. 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 You had a question back there? No, I just said, I'm the bikes and the Yeah. Aging Dr. Freud, that's interesting. <laughs> and then lastly, my husband decided to come home about six months ago with a Harley. So he's oh. going to say, I need to get about it. Yeah. And he's going to say, Yeah. <laughs> Domestic <laughs> negotiations, yeah. $25,000 yeah. <laughs> That's the first question we ask when we have someone who's a customer who says, Oh, my husband can't see this. What's your husband's hobby? <laughs> it's the yeah. first thing we ask. Yeah. Every single time. And yeah. we ask that question, yeah, it's about equitable domestic negotiations, Absolutely. right? Yes. Yeah. I usually tell my customers uh, when they're having issues about buying, it's, you know, I say, well, how much do you spend if you go to a nice restaurant? Yes. You know, I mean, it's fun, but it's only two hours. Yeah. 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 And that works. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
very much. Yeah. Compared to some other... Compared to a nice bottle of wine, yarn is like... Yeah. Not that I drink wine. I have no idea what I'm doing with that metaphor. But does that sound right? Is that... Okay. Yeah. Okay, one more question. And then and then the DMV needs to open, you guys. I have a test and everything. Yes. Are you selling the little cards? Every... This sounds really small. For every book signed, I believe I have enough for everybody. So, so yeah, when you come up to get your book signed, the DMV is open, and I will issue you. And if you have an ebook, or you just hate the book and don't want it, and you got dragged here against your will, you could still have a license if you want. So, yeah, I am. That's who I am. So, yeah, okay. Well. Thank you guys very, very much. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget, you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.